Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Golf Underground. We want to thank our sponsors, Mariner Wealth, helping you navigate your financial future. Lewisburg Ford, no one sells more F-150s than Lewisburg Ford. The Flats KC, look for your new home at theflatskc.com. Star Companies, best insulation and drywall at affordable prices. Sheridan's Unforked, eating good and feeling good. Greenside Cigars, you gotta check out the Birdie Stogie. And Sano Orthopedics, no one's better than my man, Dr. Kevin Whitty. So, enjoy the program. ESPN Kansas City presents Golf Underground, powered by Mariner Wealth Advisor, helping you navigate your financial future. Welcome to Golf Underground ESPN Radio. Back again, Wardo. In the stable, baby. In the stable. In the stable. Post-COVID, Post-COVID. might I add. I mean, is this, are we allowed to talk about this, or are you trying to hide this? <laughs> you don't what, have, George, what's your You don't take? have to hide anything. <laughs> <laughs> in the stable again. We're back in the stable. Now, the stable's safe now that you've officially had the COVID. Yep. You know, I don't. Um, I don't put my mask on, so if I'm going to be a little muffled all day, that's because that's I got my mask. No, on, you don't. Huh? You don't have to. You've got the antibodies now. I mean, you can hack up a lung. Yeah, I'm good to go. Yeah, I think you're absolutely fine. Now, how was it going through the COVID? You know, it was not that bad. I was fortunate, but it was really a pain to sit at home, not have to leave, do the whole deal for uh, upwards of 14 days. I. Uh, didn't have to enjoy everybody. It was a little awkward having to call everybody you knew and saying, you know, hey, I got it. It's like back in the day when you might have had to make a call here or there on the yeah the other front. Did you uh, did you anyway regret your very your your very lax attitude towards the the, the disease going into it? I mean, maybe you <laughs> who claims this. I did have a lax attitude? Well, I don't know. Here at the stable, we got awfully close when we probably now Wardle. I got to ask you one question. Fourteen days. You didn't stay home 14 days. You stayed home about seven. I didn't move. I didn't leave the house. I overdid I overdid you it. You didn't leave I your went, house or you didn't leave Turtle's house? I went and got <laughs> tested. I went and got tested four additional times to make sure I was finally clear and didn't have it, even though the CDC says 10 days from when you first have symptoms, after that, you're good to go. What I did was I overdid the dang thing. And you know what? The reason why our U.S. Uh, numbers are up is because there's idiots like me doing four negative tests or positive tests yeah, for cost, that. You know what? You're costing the healthcare system cash, too. Uh, well, I paid cash for these, which was stupid. Oh, you did. Well, listen, we are lucky today. We got George back in the studio. You know, it's been so long with your COVID. In fact, our last interview was the three of us and our boy Colt Nost. Having a nice time together. That's how was long. That, that was about a month ago. It was a month ago. Yeah. More than that. Oh, yeah, that was yeah, that was early July. Yeah, so we got a great show today. George Brett in the studio with us, and um, I got to tell you, this is a great. Um, this is I'm, I'm excited about this one, and I'll tell you why. So um, this was probably nine years ago. You know, my wife for for my birthday, which is July fourth. She knows I'm a huge golfer. July third is my most famous golf day. I have a few cocktails. Go out with the fellas, and Not she, because it's your birthday. Yeah, well, it's the perfect uh, golf day. And she, she brought home a book called A Course Called Ireland. And um, it sat, well, I read it probably two or three times, and it sat on my, uh, the back of my toilet for the last eight years. It's still sitting there. 
So it's just, you know, it's kind of part of the, the bathroom. And so it was written by an amazing guy named Tom Coyne. He is the author of um, several books. One was called A Gentleman's Game, was named one of the best uh, 25 sports books of all time. That's a that, that's quite a deal. Um, second book was awesome. Paper Tiger read that one. And uh, another great one, of course, called Scotland. And the most recent one, a course called America, which is pretty much what you, you've probably played most of these 900 courses. And so what is so great about Tom, other than the fact that he is a Notre Dame fighting Irish guy, is um, he, um, he's, he's lived life, is living life in a way so many of us wish we could, playing the greatest golf courses in the world. And so Mr. Tom Coyne calling in from the great state of Pennsylvania, my friend, thank you for joining us. You are one of my heroes. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. That was a, a very generous introduction. And yeah, I somehow made a living out of this, right? I keep getting away with it. Uh, um, going out and playing great golf courses and living to tell the tale. So thanks for letting me join the force in here. This is pretty cool. Yeah, no sweat. All right, so so take us back to, um, well, maybe it was in the 2000s, this, this a gentleman's mm-hmm. A gentleman's game. I mean, to become one of the top yeah. twenty-five sports books of all time—that's that's. I mean, who knows if you set out for uh, for that objective when you did it? But you wrote a damn good book. So t- yeah, t- thank tell us, you. Yeah, tell the folks a little bit about that. Well, that was fun. I mean, I was you know I was in graduate school, like you said. I was at Notre Dame in this writing program, and I had to write a not. I had to write a book to to get my master's degree. And um, you know, the only thing I knew anything about in life, I was trying to pretend otherwise, but. You know, the only thing I really knew was golf. I grew up caddying. So I started writing a story about a caddy who was a golf prodigy and was kind of like the golfer I wished I was. And, uh, you know, it, it, the stories that turned into a novel and got, it, it got turned into a movie, which was crazy and seen by dozens around the world, um, which, which, was, which was awesome. But, uh, no, I mean, it was, it was a great experience. I was, you know, I was 25 years old and, you know, I'm on the set with Gary Sinise, and he's reading lines that I wrote, and it was just surreal, man. So, you know, I didn't really even set out to be a golf writer, right? You know, I had to write this book to finish school, and um, and I guess it, it, it kind of came together, and, and, and stuff started happening really quickly. You know, because I'd written a golf book, I got to start writing for the golf magazines and stuff like that. So, got into the golf world and, and into the golf writing, and, um, you know, and I thought, you know, I'm 25, and I'm like, man, I can't wait until we make, you know, the next book comes out and the next movie and that'll be fun. And, you know, not realizing that's like probably once in a lifetime kind of uh, kind of miracle for that to happen. But I was, yeah, I was really fortunate. And, and suddenly I was, I was a golf writer, which is great because it really combined the two things that, you know, that I'm most passionate about golf and writing. Uh, I've been really fortunate to be able to put those two things together. And, um, but I've had to, you know, learn to approach it in different ways to kind of keep it fresh. And so I started writing nonfiction and, stories where I'm a character where I'm the main character and I'm going out and doing these, these crazy golf things, these crazy golf odysseys. Um, like you alluded to some of them. Hey, is Gary Sinise that kick ass? He's, he's awesome. I mean, he's just, he's just a, just a solid guy. Right. I mean, I've over the years met some celebrities and and Hollywood, whatever. and, and, And in some cases, the cliches hold true, but, Gary Sinise, the dude from Chicago, you know, who's got, he's just a real, um, straightforward, solid guy. And he's, and he taught me a ton too. You know, again, I was really young and being able to work with him and watch him 
you know, listen to him want to rework lines. And I mean, he just made me such a, a much better writer. Um, and he really cared a lot, uh, cause he's like a theater guy and he really cared about the words and, and it just was, that was, that was a really cool time to be able to get to know him. I bet. I bet. All right. So, so, um, you did a course called Ireland. How many courses did you play in Ireland? So I played about 60 something. I played every length course that that's kind of how I narrowed down the, uh, the itinerary. I, when it started off, I, you know, I was looking at a golf map of Ireland and I'd been going to Ireland for years, um, on family trips, golf trips, whatever. And I was planning a trip for friends. And I, you know, if you look at a golf map of Ireland, it, it's ringed with, with golf holes. It's got links courses, seaside golf courses, right. You know, the stuff you see in the open championship. So I said, you know, it started to look like this big giant golf course, right? If I just kind of kept going around the coast, there's another hole and another hole and another hole. And, and I thought, you know, what if I tried to play the whole thing as, as a golf course and that'd be a book, like that'd be a good story. It's funny. Like you come up with these ideas and, uh, and you pitch them to your publisher and, you know, and I, and I told him, I said, well, since you don't take golf carts in Ireland, I'll, I'll walk the whole way, you know, from course to course, you know, I'll just do it all on foot. I thought, you know, that'd be a cool angle, right? And uh, and you throw this idea out there, and then they say yes, and then you're, and then you say, oh man, I have to do this. Oh my god. So, um, yeah. So, 1,100 miles and, and four months on foot, uh, I played Ireland as one giant golf course. Wait, so you did not drive from course to course? You walked. I walked. So I had a backpack. What with- was your longest walk? Between, between uh, courses over 50 like about 60 miles um oh. and that, that would take two you know those would take two to three days like the longest walks i ever did were 24 25 miles a day because i'm carrying you know i've got a backpack with you know a lap with a laptop in it which is insane because i had to file stories every week for golf.com and all that um and then i've got i start off with 11 clubs strapped to the backpack like in like a real like a Sunday bag um by the end of the I think I finished with like seven um I would just kind of get I would get tired you got a bad temper don't you would you start breaking (laughs) well no I would just get tired right I'd be out you're out like in Donegal you haven't seen another human being in two hours uh on some back road and you're just your shoulders can't take it and I'd just be like all right I don't need a nine iron I can knock down an eight iron and I just toss it into the field and so there are some of my my Mizuno irons because I was playing back then are sprinkled around uh, sprinkled around the countryside of Ireland well hopefully hopefully you've gotten some new weapons if not we're going to call Mizuno and get you a new set of irons <laughs> he knows no some- yeah I'm all, I'm all sorted <laughs> I'm a I'm a Titleist man now. Oh, I want great. Wardo. I want Wardo. I, We're a Titleist facility here as well. I want Wardo. He Good. lives right across the street from Indian Hills Country Club. I want him to play that one day. The next day, walk five blocks to Kansas City Country <laughs> Club, play that one. And the next day, walk 20 blocks to Mission Hills Country Club and play that one. Yeah. You could not do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> I'll even carry without, my... Without spilling your vodka. I'll, even carry, I'll carry my clubs and I'll even bring a laptop along well so I will, did you not have a golf bag you just had a little satchel yeah i had one of those like it was like a quiver almost right that uh just held a couple balls and you know and a, and a few clubs so and it's funny when you say that like there have been some 
imitations or people who have read the book and said, I want to do that, you know? And I'm like, did you finish the book? It's, it's really hard. <laughs> like, you know, it, 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 I was just absolutely, my feet were destroyed. Um, by the time I got done, it wasn't, you know, so, but some people have gone out and walked, like done a county in Ireland or a friend did like Lancaster Pike here in Pennsylvania and walked that and golf the courses along the way. So, um, it's, it's, it's wild to see, uh, it's, it, you know, some imitations spring up. It's very flattering to you, of course. So when you would get to a golf course, would you play by yourself or would you just play with the locals? It would depend. So sometimes, um, they, some courses knew I was coming, you know, my stories, my weekly stories were also running in a newspaper over there in Ireland, the Irish examiner, which was, which was really handy because as the trip went along, like I sort of became this like golfing forest gump, right? Like people started to know who I was and they would honk and wave and, and then want to meet me on the golf course and blah, blah, blah. So, so by the end, um, you know, I, I definitely, I always, I generally always had people playing with me and locals, some friends came over to join me and walk with me for a couple of days and, and play with me and, uh, keep me company. And then there'd be a few rounds where I, I'm just out there by myself. And, and sometimes that was a good thing. I mean, I'd be so exhausted. It would just be like, you know, I just want to get on with it and, and get back to the pub or back, back to my bed. So, uh, it, it was a mix, but thank God I, I met a lot of great locals because they become the story. I mean, if you've ever played golf in Ireland, you know, it's all about the people, um, and the fun and their stories. So, so that was, that was a good thing. Oh, um, I know that I got to read the book, but can you can you throw a course or two out there that you're just absolutely in love with? Yeah, I mean, there's one off the that Ireland gave me this gift of you know with all the the golf I've played in places I've gone, I do get asked you know what's your favorite course in the world, and Ireland gave me an easy answer because uh, it's a place called Carn, D R C A R N E, which is on the far west coast, a little bit north on the Belmullet Peninsula. It's really really remote um it was a day's walk just a full day of walking on a one-lane road just a road out to the peninsula uh to get there um so not everyone it's, it's off the beaten track right so when you get there i mean you feel like you're at the edge of the earth and it's got the biggest dunes in ireland it's a golf course that it's a real community course that was built um by this great irish architect eddie hackett and where he like would move no earth, he would walk around in the dunes for a week and just tell you and stake out the greens and the tees and just say, there's your golf course. And it's just so pure and natural. And it's just been a great spot too, that, you know, you really feel like you're in the Ireland of your imagination, like this old, um, they even speak Irish out there, uh, mm-hmm. in this, uh, this really just the end of the earth. And, and you're, and you feel like you're the only person who knows about this place. And, just and the people there are fantastic. When you show up, they're like really glad, appreciative you're there. You being there makes a difference to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they've added a new nine holes there, and it's just the 27 best golf holes. Um, it's just I go round and round and round there. It's 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 really really special. That's awesome. Now you had been to Ireland, right? So obviously you weren't doing this. <clears throat> what, what did you learn on this trip about the country that you, you maybe didn't pick up on the previous trips? I learned it's a lot bigger than I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hillier you know, too. was it hillier <laughs> and it was a lot more hills i learned the whole country is uphill um, <laughs> yeah i mean you're going around in a bus or a car you're like hey you know it's it's geographically the size of indiana you can get from one coast to the other pretty easily 
and uh you know you do it on foot and and man it's just it's big but i mean i learned a lot i think about the people you know and and how um you know everyone says you know the irish people are great they're super friendly i mean they're really genuine right i mean they're they they want to know what you're up to they want to know um where you're from, if you know their cousin in Boston, if, um, you know, if you've ever, what Disney World's like, um, you know, the, the, not everywhere and where I travel, um, do people seek out Americans for conversation. And, and in Ireland, um, it, that was always the case. It was always easy to make a friend um, and find something in common. And I also learned that they just sort of take life at a pace that, that I admired. Um, you know, it's an old country and, uh, it's been around a long time. It'll be, it'll be around for a long time. So they were just seemed to be in a little bit less of a rush than we are. And, and that's something I, I really admired that life was not in a bad way, but, or like in a pejorative way, but it was just a little simpler, you know? Um, you know, you have your friends, your family and, and your work and you enjoy your life. And, you know, I still try to remember do that every once in a while it's not easy well you had to i mean when you had 50 miles between courses it gives you time to slow down right <laughs> it puts your life in focus man like my whole life is on my back right and everything is what i'm carrying and the only thing in my future is a golf course and a bed and so it just simplifies things so beautifully it's like man that was kind of a nice way to live how long did you contemplate this journey? Was it something you just woke up one day or like i'm gonna go do that or was it your buddies talking you into it or is it a combo it, you know, a little bit of a combo. I mean, you, you kick around the idea and I've been looking for like, what was the next book going to be? I'd done a book called Paper Tiger where I tried to play pro golf and, and I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to do another golf book, but I wanted to do something different. I want to do Ireland in a different way. And, and so, you know, I was kicking around different ideas and approaches, but then when you get to the actual, you know, what then the publisher says, yeah, go for it. And you get to the actual planning, man, that was six to eight months of, phone calls and emails, um, just trying to map the whole thing out. I mean, you're trying to plan all these tea times, right? And then you also have a 20 mile leash, uh, you know, cause you're on foot. So you got to find a place to stay. And, um, you know, sometimes I was just walking and hoping, and sometimes I was trying to stick to the itinerary that I'd kind of pieced together. Um, and that was, and this was before, like just before maybe, you know, like every B and B would have a website. So, I, a lot of it was like calling Ireland and at the course and asking them if they knew somebody with a room where I could stay. And, you know, so there was just that planning took a long time. Um, and it's kind of the fun of it. I mean, I think planning a golf trip is, is almost as fun as going on a golf trip, all that expectation and like build up. And um, so for all the books for Scotland, for doing America, I mean, each the preparation's gotten longer and longer for each one because the stories keep getting bigger. Yeah, right, right. Hey, did you ever have a um, an owner of a bed and breakfast, maybe a like a sixty five year old lady, get pissed off at you because you didn't eat the Irish breakfast? Did she say, <laughs> "Well, you can't be going for the tea time. Eat your goddamn breakfast." Did you ever get anything like that? She sounded. She didn't sound like that. Yeah. Um, but, you but know the, the you know uh, the lady I'm talking about, right? You know her. I'll tell you. You'll be Thomas. You'll be sitting down eating the breakfast. The <laughs> well, tea time can wait. I mean, you know, every story needs needs a villain, right? Yeah. And yeah. and and the villain like became in this story. Well, the road because it was tough. The dog 
because yeah. you know they, they were they were after me. Um, yeah. You got to. But tell the Irish that. breakfast yeah. it became the surprising enemy. Um, yep. You know, the first week loved it, couldn't have enough. You know, bring me two plates. Uh, you know, in the Irish breakfast, it's got everything. The blood sausage, oh, the yeah. beans, the eggs, the, the tom- fried tomato, the mushrooms, all things. Delicious on, on week one. Week mm-hmm. two, you're like, man, I'm over this. Mm-hmm. My body's, you know, I can't take this. And and after a couple weeks, you know, you're dodging it. And and the tricky thing is, yeah, you go to the old lady's house. She's excited to have it. Maybe she hasn't had someone at her B&B in a long time. She's all excited to show off her Irish breakfast, mm-hmm. show you the best in Ireland. Man, and I'm trying to come up with excuses or sneak out early. And to the one point, I mean, it got so bad where I was hiding, you know, I'm hiding the breakfast in my napkin and, and going to the bathroom and flushing it down the toilet and, yeah. and coming back and just telling her how great it was. Yeah. You know, like, oh, man, wow, you really cleaned your plate. Oh, so good. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I got to go. I, I can't eat those eggs because I'm looking at those chickens out she, there. And she's, they just not, them. she's not afraid to slap you, that type, you know? Oh, no. And yeah. I would have deserved it if yeah. I got busted. Yeah, yeah. But I was pretty sneaky about it. You know, there was the, the one experience I had like that. It was my wife and I were in La Hinch, Ireland. And um, yeah, the tea sheet was booked. So I got up at about 6.30, went over to La Hinch, and they said, all right, you, you got to get out in the next half hour. I'll let you and your wife out in the next half hour. So same thing. I walk in the front door. She's got the breakfast made for us. I said, hey, honey, come on. We got to go. We got a tea time. This lady almost ripped her husband's Argyle sweater off his back and choked me with it, right? So we go... Totally. <laughs> now, listen, we go play golf. We walk out. George, you might like this one. We walk out, um, and we go to the pub. No one's on the street. Who walks Who walks out of the pub across the street? It's John Elway and Marty Schottenheimer. No one else in La Hinch, Ireland, but, you know, they're, they're a little golf group. And, and Ireland's funny like that, isn't it? I mean, every little town you go in... I know it's almost cliche to say, hey, the people are great, and there's always stories, and they're great storytellers. But in reality, it it's actually happens. There's actually bar <laughs> stories that you pull out almost every place you go, right? But no doubt about it. I mean, there's this the acts of the Irish acts of uncommon hospitality. It becomes like a theme in the book where people are just willing to do ridiculously kind things for you. That you know, as an American, you're like, what you know, what, what's your motive, man? Like, what what are you trying to get out of this? Right. Uh, you know, you're not only giving me directions, you're 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 actually like driving there and as i walk behind you or you're um you know just going so far out of your way to be kind and 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 helpful it's it's crazy but yeah those like once only in ireland moments where yeah you john Elway's walking out of a pub or whatever that's, right. Right. it's a small country right you've got three and a half million people so yeah. everyone kind of knows what's going on and if so-and-so's in town or something's going on you know everybody knows about it yeah. and uh and, it, and that stuff just happens. It, yeah. it happened all the time. Yeah, it's wild. Okay, so let me, let me get this straight. You walked how many miles? Did 1,100. You walk? 1,100 miles. 1,100 miles. And how many and days? That's just, that's just between golf courses, or is that including your rounds of that golf? Would, no, that includes the golf courses. Okay. So I had like a, pedo- a pedometer on me. That I'd keep track every day of my mileage. And how many days? It was four months. So May, June, July, August. Um yeah, it was. I was a changed man when I came home. I, well, I was thirty pounds lighter, which was nice. Amazing. Um, haggis will do that. Which to was you. crazy. Is it haggis or you haggis? Know, 
That's Scotland. I'll tell you about oh, that. Scotland. Talking about the women? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, we're, hey, you're getting into the next segment. Come on now. All right. Let's take a commercial break. When we come back, I want to dive in a little bit on this paper tiger a little bit and hear a, a little bit more about the quest and how good these pros are and, and the work ethic and, the, and uh, all the drive it takes in order to play out there on tour. Yeah. Hey, we are with Tom Coyne. You got to check him out. TomCoyne.com. Follow him on Instagram, Twitter. If you just like a regular guy who plays a lot of golf, is an amazing storyteller, and the kind of guy you want to sit and have a pint of Guinness with, you got to check out TomCoyne.com. Come on back. We're having a great time at a Golf Underground ESPN Radio. Hey, Brian Sullivan of Golf Underground with my favorite orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kevin Witte from Sano Orthopedics. Why is Sano Orthopedics the absolute best sports medicine orthopedic group in Kansas City? Well, if you want to see the guys in town have had the best orthopedic fellowship training in sports medicine, um, including training with Dr. James Andrews and Dr. Larry Lemack, come see us. Uh, We individualize patients' uh, plans to get them back to that activity and that sport that they love. And we actually care and listen to our patients and follow up with them and make sure that they're getting the results they need. Okay, and so the three things that separate you. Number one, best training. Number two, you specialize in getting people on that field. Number three, you're actually listen. Where can I learn more? Because you got me all in, and I don't really want to get fixed, but it's time. At sonoorthopedics.com, 816-525-2840. Hey, what's up, Golf Underground Nation? This is Brian Sullivan, co-host of the Golf Underground with the Greenside Cigar Company, here to tell you about the hot new cigars that are about taking over the golf industry. And yeah, I'm talking about the patented Birdie Stogies. You guys have been seeing for sale all over the local golf courses. These cigars come highly rated and are the ultra-premium alternative to that dried-up old stick you've been using to celebrate your made birdie putts. Designed to be carried in every golf bag and saved as a reward for celebratory achievement, our cigars are bringing golfers added relaxation, fun, and perhaps maybe even a little luck. From mild to medium, smooth to sweet, we have a cigar suitable for every taste palette and golfers at all skill levels. So no matter your celebratory occasion, enjoying a victory stogie at the clubhouse after a low round, immediately after a made birdie putter, hey, even to help you relax and simply celebrate being out in the golf course, make sure you never approach the first tee again without one of our beautiful cigars in your golf bag. So learn more and order online at greensidecigars.com or just Google the birdie stogie because after all, there can only be one. Welcome back. Golf Underground ESPN Radio. Don't worry, Wardo, about the COVID-19. <laughs> hey, we're having a great time. It's been uh, it's been a few weeks. We've missed you. And um, we've reassembled the all-star cast. we got George Brett here on the left doing his, uh, his homework. It's um, George. Your, your new producer. Yeah, he's got TomCoin.com pulled up right I here. I am on his... following you now. Yep. And I don't follow. <laughs> I, believe me, I do not know how to do this very often. Yeah. Hey, guys, during the commercial break, I just yeah. went on to Gin.com, and I am now following Tom Coin's Gin handicap. So when he posts a 68 oh. this weekend, I'm going to get a notification that says how good he played. Wow. <laughs> how good is that? So he's currently is at 2.3. Currently a two point three, and it looks like I don't. I don't want to have to give this guy shots. He plays too much golf. Waynesboro <laughs> Country Club. His most recent yeah, score dude. was a seventy-seven, followed by a seventy-three, a seventy-six, and he must have had a couple Guinnesses for that eighty-five. 
<laughs> Do you what feel five was the course? It was a bad, bad. It was a bad course for me. Bad, hey Tom, bad. what was your what was your low score in Ireland and your highest score? Uh, low score. I mean, I was playing like nine holers and all sorts of stuff too. I think I was like maybe under par one, couple rounds of par. But no, I mean, I think I hung up a couple nineties. You know, because Ireland. It's all the conditions, man. You know, like if you're out there and it's, and, and I had to play in everything because my itinerary was, you know, it was unforgiving. So when I got there, it didn't matter what the weather was. I had to play because I'm there for one day and then I'm out of there. So, I mean, I played in stuff that nobody else was on the golf course. Yeah. In those days, you know, I come in and the scorecard would be turned to like mush. I couldn't even, <laughs> I'd have to recall in my head what I shot. Um, but I kept the whole tally of it in the back of the book. You know, I think I was 542 over for the whole country, um, <laughs> which isn't, you know, Not which bad. I think I, is the. I, I think I. By was. the way, it, it was the course record because no one else has done it. So, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, that's that's an awesome point. All right, All right so I want to dive in a little bit on this this book you wrote called The Paper Tiger and kind of the quest mm -hmm. to play uh, to play with the quote unquote pros and what right. what fueled that book and also the the aspirations and, and what did you learn in terms of the takeaways i mean that book is the great sort of education of my golf life that still influences my own golf today i mean stuff that i learned doing that book i'm still working on <laughs> 20 years later so or however long it's been 15 um so paper tiger was like my transition to do a nonfiction where i thought all right i'm gonna go out and do something crazy and interesting and that'll be the story rather than write another novel. And, you know, I said, well, as a golfer, I want, why don't I go live every golfer's dream? Right. And what's every golfer's dream So, like, what if you just could play golf all the time and had everything that the pros have, how good could you get? Right. And that's, that's golf's great bait and switch. It's, it's golf's great allure is that, you know, we hit a couple shots or, or even one shot and think, you know, I can do this, right? I've got this. I got this figured out. So I said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And that sort of set a theme for the, all the other books too, is of this, like, okay, I'm going to go out and live a crazy golf dream and you can come along on it with me and you can live it with me without having to quit your job or get divorced. Right. Or walk 1100 so, miles or walk 1100 miles. Right. I'll do, I'll do all the, that stuff for you. Um, so with paper tiger, uh, you know, I got a coach, uh, PGA Tour coach, Dr. Jim Suddy, um, who uh, works with a lot of guys on tour Kevin, and on the mini tours. and Kevin Streelman. Um, he works with Kevin Streelman, right? I believe he does, yeah. I mean, at the time, he was working with a lot of guys on the senior tour, Lauren Roberts, Chip Beck, Paul Azinger. Um, and so I'm with Jim Suddy. I've got a, a shrink, Dr. Bob Winters at the Ledbetter Institute, um, a physical therapist, um, a trainer, a nutritionist. Um, equipment sponsor. I've got courses, you know, to, the places to play and train and, and practice. So, and, you know, I moved to Florida, um, left the Northeast and, and went down there and I played golf and practiced 542 days in a row to see, you know, how good could I get? You know, starting off is like, I don't know, eight, nine, ten handicap, whatever. You know, I could shoot in the 70s, was probably more likely to hang up an 87, you know. Was it good? pretty good junior golfer, but didn't play in college. So I had, you know, the basic golf, I guess, skills from when I was a kid, but I, I hadn't played like a competitive round of golf in a, in a long time. So, you know, I went on that 
moved and, and went on that, that journey. And it was 12 hours of golf every day, all day. Um, again, got in, got in great physical shape, <clears throat> lost a lot of weight again. Um, literally played until my, my hands bled. Um, I was, I was like literally bleeding through my golf clubs. I was, I was hitting so many balls and, uh, you'll notice though, um, not to ruin the end of the book for your, for your listeners, uh, that I'm, that I'm not on the PGA tour, uh, that I, I wasn't at Harding park last week. Um, sadly, but, uh, I learned a ton and, and, and played some, some pretty, some pretty good golf, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of good golf out there. What was the lowest you were able to get your handicap? So you started at a nine, and you've got, yeah. you've gotten down to you're clearly uh, at two point three right now. I got now. to yeah, so I was at a plus like one point seven at some point, so like a plus two, I guess was was as low as it got. Um, and you know, a plus two, uh, you know, people that's pretty good, right? Um, or if you know a plus two at your club probably the club champion or, or one of the best players at your club. And, and one of the things I learned, like, you know, it was a big deal for me to get to scratch, right? It was like something in my lifetime I never thought I'd reach and to get better than scratch. And then, then you get out, you get out there and you start playing Monday qualifiers <clears throat> or mini tour qualifiers or mini tour events. And you realize, uh, scratch is terrible. <laughs> scratch is <laughs> you like are, you are correct. The, the worst dude you know, like he, 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 he like flat out cannot play golf, which was a total revelation to me because, you know, I thought, Hey, I can, I can on a good day, scratch says on a good day that I can shoot the course rating or whatever. But, um, that's not, that's different than going to a Florida mini tour event where guys are shooting 66 on a, from a 75 course rating. Um, and they're doing it in competition. So they're like a plus 10. And, uh, that's, that's, that's a different kind of golf. Um, so that was eye opening to me, but then there was still this thing that kept nagging me because I'd play with them and, and I compare our rounds where they would shoot their 66 and I'd shoot my 76 and thinking about them, you know, I'd be like, I, I could hit it at that time. Okay. I can hit it as far as him. Right. Uh, I can hit fairways too. Um, and I can make a putt here and there. And, but his, he made he had 66 and I had 76. And what, how did that happen? Um, and that's that, that it's, it's sort of intangible, I guess, but not really. I mean, I think guys that, that can make those kind of numbers are one, they're just really, really comfortable in their tournament skin, right. In that competitive golf environment, like that's their regular game. My regular game Sunday with my buddies, and that's when I can go out and fire like a really good number. And you, and, and you put, you tell me I'm in a tournament. You know, it's like you should add nine shots to, to, <laughs> to whatever whatever it is. That's just what I'm going to shoot. So um, no, that, that's so really well said, actually, because what I tell a lot of the guys we work with here is like, look, you gotta for one, go shoot a good score by yourself or when you're alone. Two, go shoot it with your buddies when you're playing a five, ten, fifty dollar Nassau, and then three. Tournament golf is just a different animal. When you got to go tee it up and stroke play and not be able to pick up on a hole when you're going to make a triple and, and post a score. And so I, I'm just curious that, that I, I was hopeful that you would say that, that it's just yeah. the journey in terms of posting a tournament golf is a different animal. It's a different sport almost. I mean, and that's like when people say, what would you have done differently, right? 
that you think you could have gotten there. Well, I don't know if I could ever gotten there. Um, but what I would have done differently, I played a lot of tournaments, but I would have played a lot more just to get to that point where, again, you're really comfortable in that setting, making every single putt, um, where, you know, I did a lot of work with, a on my mental game and I, and I could put it in practice. I could put it, you know, I could bring it to the golf course. But when you're on the first tee and they say Tom Coyne from the United States of America, um, you know, that stuff goes out the window, right? And you're just like, man, I hope I don't miss the ball. Yeah. Um, it, it changes fast. So, uh, whereas, you know, whereas, whereas the other guys, they seem that they don't hear that announcement and they're just looking at where they want to hit the golf ball. So, so I'm curious. So if you had to pick out, you know, and you built the team, right. And the best you know, team that you knew or was in your network or, or sought out to help you play better golf. If you had yeah. to single out, um, two or three of those experts, which one of those would you, if you would advise somebody to try to go on this quest and they didn't have the resources or whatnot to go with every single expert, who, where would you start? So I would actually start <clears throat> by where I felt, I mean, the swing coach was a tremendous education and I can still now, I don't need to take lessons because when I know what, my, what I did with my misses. Still, my flaws are still the same. So that was, you know, an invaluable education. But the difference between what I could do then and now, um, and, and not just the, the time and the years, was the shape that I was in. Um, I was in tremendous shape. I had really good balance. Um, my core was really strong. Um, I felt really steady and confident over the golf ball. Um, and there wasn't a move that I couldn't accomplish if, you know, if my coach was like, okay, I need you to do this, that, and the other. I was, we've done, I did so much work with this physical therapist that all my joints, whatever, I could do all this stuff, right? I, you, you look at Colin Morikawa swing and you think, I wish I could swing like that. <laughs> I'm physically incapable of moving my hips that way, right? I, I do not have the mobility medically, <laughs> biologically to do that. Well, in 99.9% of Amer or the population can't, can't as well. Exactly. But working with a physical therapist over the course of three months, I got to the point where my, I became like, my body became oily, right? It became loose and, and became kind of quick. Um, and I, I worked really hard on like my, my quick, my twitch muscles, my reflexes, my balance, tons of balance work. That made a huge, huge difference for me. And it's something that I'm actually starting to do a lot more uh, again. So um, I, I think that, it's maybe something we overlooked that just, you know, training physically um, to be a better golfer. I mean, it made me a better putter because I was real, real steady over the ball on my core. Yeah. Um, I could hit it further. Uh, I was real, my, I was a better ball striker. All those things I think came from like physical conditioning. To be honest, uh, I think the I, other component from the physical conditioning side is it, I think it makes you mental, more mentally stronger because you know that you've trained for, or you're in better shape or when you're coming down the stretch or just may, I think it makes me think better. There's no doubt about it. I mean, feeling like I put in the time, right? I put in the hours. I mean, it's no secret. I think you know, why the pros are, I mean, they're, they're going to the gym before their tee times in major championships. Yeah. They don't physically probably need to. I think it's just a matter of like, it's, it's, I want to put in the work today. Right. And you can only beat balls for so long that, and 
at some point you're going to get diminishing returns on, on hitting golf balls, right? You're, you're probably, you're going to do things to your golf swing that maybe you didn't need to do. Um, but you can always get a little stronger, a little better balance and a little better shape. So I just, that part of it, I got so much out of doing paper tiger. I'd never done that before. And then I of course stopped doing it afterwards because who wants to go to the gym? Hey, what is it? What is it about golf, though, George? You, you've talked about it uh, on this program, right? So here we are with George Brett, Hall of Famer, right? He's played in every event you can imagine as an MLB guy, and you'd mentioned that where you were the most scared was playing in the club championship, and you were on the edge of winning it. You, your brain well, was, was a, different than being at the plate. Like, so I, I'm so intrigued by the different. Like, a guy like you can still feel what Coin's talking about. It it is not. It, it, you put me on a baseball field with fifty thousand people. I'm at home. Right. I remember we were playing the Chicago White Sox one time, and the PGA Tour was in Chicago. They were playing at Kemper, I think. So they had a couple guys came out. They had Freddie Couples and Davis Love, and they had a closest to the pin. They put a pin out in center field, and it's 10 minutes before the game starts. And Freddie, I think, was the number one ranked player in the world then, 1992. He and I were friends from California. We played tons of golf together. We won the AT&T Pebble Beach Classic uh, in 87 together. Um, Which they never invited you back. No, we went back the next year. <laughs> we went back. We didn't make the cut. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my handicap got a lot lower that year. <laughs> But um, but uh, all of a sudden, you know, Fred comes in, and they got a couple players from each team. And and uh, they asked me if I wanted to do it. I said, hell no, there's too many people watching. I can't. I'm not going to go up there and embarrass myself with a sand wedge in my hand and hit it to a flag up by the warning track in center field. And Fred came in last. And I go, and afterwards, after the game, we went out and had a couple beers, and I said, well, what happened? He said, I've never been so nervous in all my life. <laughs> he was out of his element. You right. put him on a golf course. Yeah. And he's going to be fine. And I'm like that when I go to a golf course. If I see yellow ropes, my game goes right in the shitter. <laughs> Anytime they put yellow ropes up, man, look out. <laughs> but, all right, so, yep. but so, Tom, but, but what would, because you invested in a um, sports psychologist, right? Yeah, absolutely. What, what would a sports, your sports psychologist say about this mentality and, and how the different environment can absolutely tragically kill you? Yeah. So, I mean, it was really a matter of becoming, well, the thing we mo worked on the most was becoming sort of one shot oriented, right? Um, just letting go of the last shot, letting go of expectations, controlling the things you can control, just getting really focused on that, that one moment, that one shot saying, you know, real short attention span, keeping it all about the one shot. So, and, and blocking out all the other stuff, right? I mean, the, the idea of, like, when I would show up to a tournament where, if there were the, where there were the ropes or whatever. I mean, I went, to the, I went to Q School, Canadian tour, Latin American tour, Australian, Australasian tour. You know, and you'd show up at these events, and I would feel like an imposter, right? I'd feel like I was kind of like, I just wanted to, like, stay out of everyone else's way. Like, I, I didn't want to, um, because these were the real golfers, and I was, kind of the pretender um and the mindset that they had was not that they were in anyone else's way it was just like get the hell out of my way because this is where this is where i do my work this is my place this is this is this is where i get it done um and so i had a hard time becoming you know and it was funny because 
then if you put me out on a Saturday afternoon with my friends where I know I'm the best player, I would have that attitude of like, hey, stay the hell out of my way. I'm here to do business, right? But when I go, when I was, you know, then I go to a tournament among players at this different level and suddenly I'm the, I'm the uneasy outsider. And, you know, I guess if I would have, if I would have played more, uh, again, more tournaments or, or had some more tournament success to draw on, I had a little bit here and there, but it was just hard to, to adapt that, that mindset. Um, I mean, my, my, my psychologist was definitely focused on, you know, staying in the golf shots, blocking all that stuff out. And honestly, some of the advice I got from people for my mental game was like, you, you got to be like a little bit dumber. Um, you've got, you've got to be a little simpler in your thinking, right? Just, you know, that this is just a golf course. You've been here a thousand times before fairway green putt. Like that's, that's, you know how to do it. It's all you've been doing for a year and a half. So, so just do it. My head, I'm probably overthinking, overanalyzing, noticing too much, seeing everything, noticing my my partner's my opponent's expression and wondering about where he grew up and if he ever won a junior tournament and what his parents are like and if his dad pushed him and you know i've got this writer's mentality of like i'm trying i'm taking taking in all the details where i think the best players that that i was ever around they didn't even notice anything else except for the whole <laughs> that was that's well, a beautiful way to play golf. well it's funny you say that because uh a lot of the guys that you know that we watch and whatnot, and even Mickelson was quoted on Faraday saying, "Can be two two ways to be really good at golf: be really dumb or be really smart. And if you fall somewhere in between, yeah. and there's a lot of guys on tour that would fall on both sp- sides of the spectrum on that. And I just I think that you know there's a lot of guys on tour that find a way not to get in their own way, especially when the pressure's on. And you know I've watched Woodland for years when his back's against the wall and he needs a play a good round or, you know, or go out and win or make a couple birdies down the stretch, he finds a way to do it. Yeah, hey, Tom. Yeah, that's genius. It's genius to be able to do that. You know, we call it like, okay, think less, be dumber, but that's got its own kind of athletic genius to it that I, I would trade, you know, any, uh, you know, SAT score for, for sure. But what about cockiness, though? Are you too humble? Yeah. Um, you're, that's a really good point. Uh and that was one of the things that we did try to work on a little bit. I remember with, with my uh, mental game coach was, you know, he'd worked with like David Duvall and some of those guys in college and, and was just trying to help me with that attitude of like, um, you know, that they're not, yeah, they, they were cocky. They, they stepped up to the scene and they look at you and they look right through you. Right. Who are you? Um, I, yeah. And, and that humility, my spending my whole life trying to not be that dude and trying to be like a, a you know, a, a nice person who takes an interest in his, his fellow golfer or fellow, whatever, you know, that didn't always serve me well, uh, in those situations. It doesn't mean I don't think you can be a nice guy and be a great golfer, but I do think on the golf course in a tournament setting, um, you should have some of that swagger, right? Um, there's what great player doesn't have some swagger and, yeah, I was probably a little low on the uh, on the swag meter for sure. Well, when I played baseball, I didn't have a lot of swag, but I had a lot of inner confidence. I would come mm-hmm. up in the eighth or ninth inning, and they would bring in their closer to face me, or they would bring somebody in, and I'd look at him, and I'm saying, this guy does not want to face me. Mm-hmm. I know deep That's down beautiful. inside he does not want to face me. 
And the one thing that I would tell myself was try easier, not harder, because he's going to try mm-hmm. harder. He's going to try harder. All those years I faced Goose Gossage, he was going to try to throw it by me, and he was huffing and puffing, and he would grunt and throw it as hard as he could, and I would be up there nice and relaxed, breathing, saying to myself, this guy cannot get me out. And and I really think in situations like that, when you have a really good hitter, a really good player, or you got two guys that are putting for the championship, one guy's got a 10-footer, one guy's got a 9-footer, whoever makes it, or if they both make it, they tie. I think the guy with the lowest heart rate is the guy that's going to make it. How do you get it there, though? I think that's just self-confidence. Self-confidence. Yeah. And, and, and the one thing that I realized when I became – I got better in baseball every year I played until the last couple of years. It's hard to compete when you're 40 years old playing a, a bunch against, uh, against a bunch of guys that are in their 20s and early 30s, and you're 40 and your reactions have slowed down. But um, but the one thing that uh, that I always tried to do is I tried to erase all negative thoughts from my brain. And I'm sure golfers have to do that. That's one thing I can do on a baseball field, but I cannot do on a golf course. I get to the 17th hole where Kevin and I play at Mission Hills Country Club. There's a creek that runs right down the right side of the fairway, and there's out of bounds on the left. <laughs> and I'm just saying, don't hook it in the water. Don't <laughs> hook it in the water. <laughs> or don't slice it out of bounds. Don't slice it out of bounds. But what's, what's, <laughs> and Kevin gets up there, and he stripes it right down the middle. <laughs> but if you think about what I tell myself on that hole, because I struggle on that tee ball as well, is if you if you get, go stand up there from, from creek bed to the out of bounds marker, I bet it's 85 yards wide yeah but it doesn't look it i know it doesn't look it but from back there yeah. you could land a 747 in that fairway i mean there's been wider holes out there but yeah i mean that's a tough driving hole well and you even said george in the past that uh, you try to pick out a very small spot in that drive right don't you don't you well i i somebody told me that one time they they don't aim at a tree they aim at a limb on the tree or they aim yeah. at a leaf on a tree or right. they aim at something they they really narrow their focus where it's not i'm going to hit it in this area they're going to hit it right there and uh yeah. and, and and when i'm playing good which isn't that often anymore um, I, I don't think there's no, I have no swing thoughts. I just go up there and swing. And when you're playing bad, I get all these thoughts. Okay. I got to keep my elbow in. I got to be balanced. I got to do this. I got to, you know, I have too many swing thoughts and all yeah. of a sudden my game just goes so far South. Yeah. Hey, what, what role does uh, Coors Light play in helping you alleviate this? Uh, I don't stress? drink it on, on the course. Okay. Maybe that's the problem. Uh, very, very seldom <laughs> will I ever have a Coors Light on the golf course. Hey, Tom. How about you on your trip? Because the, the the cover of his book, George and and it has, Wardo, it has a nice pint. It has a pint buying, glass with I a golf buying, ball in it. I am buying all four of these books, by the way, this, today. Oh, who? Thank you, George. I am going Thank to Amazon when I get home. I think I can do that on my computer. I tried to do it on my phone right here, and I don't have the app. Hey, you don't think <laughs> uh, George tighten it up? You don't think Tom maybe when he comes through Kansas City might play around a golf? I would love to. Have, I would love to host him at uh, one of our fine golf courses yeah. here in the area. Hey, hey, Tom, would you tell, t- tell your lovely bride, Allison, that um, you, you have to jump on a Southwest flight here uh, this weekend? <laughs> hey, guys, I was supposed to be there uh, a couple months ago. I was going to do a, a speaking event at, um, okay, it wasn't, I, I spoke at Kansas City Country Club um, la- right be- before COVID in the fall, and then I was coming back. Gosh, uh, to speak at another one of your – it's right near Kansas City Country Andy, Club. Indian the, Hills uh, or Mission Hills? What's in there? But there's one more. There's there's one, not, that, not that close. Milburn? Uh, Milburn? 
Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne. Yeah. I was speaking at Melbourne. Um, so I was supposed to be back. Uh, and then all, you know, over the winter or over the COVID months, and then of course all that got canceled. I can't wait to come back. Um, yeah. My buddy Brian Doyle Murray lives out there, and right. uh, we're going to get together for some golf. And so, yeah, I'd love to see it up with you guys. Nice. What I, about I, his, uh, what about his brother's uh, golf line now? Have you seen that? Oh, uh, William Air Golf. Yeah, that's huh? a, uh, yeah, it's doing really well. Joel, Joel's a buddy, Joel and Brian. And if you, when you read the American book, I spent some time with Bill in that book as well. Um, but they, uh, Joel, when we got together in Chicago, was nice enough to bring out some, uh, some of their gear. It's pretty, it's beautiful, man. It's, it's really fun. Really, really. And it's doing well. Joel said they're doing, they're doing great. Well, so, if you come um, to Kansas city, what we'll do is we'll play mission Hills first and then we'll walk over to Kansas city <laughs> country club and we'll play that. And then we'll walk over to Indian Hills and the total distance between the three of them is about a mile and a half. Hey, you know what a good feat would be? Play, play all You're those, play all those three, in, three one in one day and walk. All right, let's take a commercial <laughs> break. When we come Duh. back, can I drive my moped? You can use your moped with your little helmet. Your senior citizen cart with, with your, your little. When we come with back, I want to dive into some quick rapid fire with our good guest. Oh well, listen, we, we, the whole objective of today is is to talk about um, in one more segment the course called America, right? So so we we're going to dabble just briefly in this, and and then you know what I just learned is um, you know if Tom's coming to Milburn, no one does better live events than the three of us, right? Can we agree with that? I agree. I think we do a live show. We do Ask a nice Joel live. Damon. We had Joel Damon How had about a fantastic. Joel Damon? How he's, about him? This Steve week? Scott. Nice. Joel's I, been playing great. Yeah, I, I texted baseball. Joel. I said, "Good playing," and he texted me back this morning. Well, you're famous for crying out loud. Who wouldn't? I'll read you his text. My God! All right, listen. Hey, we are with Tom Coin. Check Game him out. TomCoin.com. One more short segment with us, Tommy boy. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Hey, pull up a pint. Of, hey, pull up a bar stool and a pint. You're with the greatest Irishman. The Notre Dame Fighting Irishman. You're on a Golf Underground, ESPN Radio. <laughs> hey, Brian Sullivan here, and I've got a tip for you. You've got to head to Unforked. It's an amazing restaurant. What I like about these guys is they promise to buy and support seasonal local ingredients first. And I love the fact that they source from smaller, family, GAP-certified, or organic farms, prime-going regions, artists and producers. All I'm getting at is, if you like fresh stuff, Unforked is the place to be. And like they say it, fork or no fork. You can be sure you're getting the highest quality, socially responsible ingredients possible. And not to mention, it's delicious. So whether you're out south or downtown, stop by Unforked for a delicious and healthy meal. Sheridan's Unforked. Honest, clean food. Hey, Brian Sullivan, Golf Underground, with a little tip for you. If you're looking to buy a new Ford, you have to check out my buddy, Jason Gudenkoff at Lewisburg Ford. They've been saving Midwest Ford buyers thousands of bucks for over 40 years because they do business the right way. They sell everything, check this out, for $50 over invoice. That's simple and cheap. And they win a lot of awards. In fact, they won Ford's President's Award 17 times. That's the top Ford award. And they only give it to dealers with superior customer satisfaction in sales and service. Now, what these guys know how to do also, keep this in mind, sell trucks. Lewisburg Ford has sold more F-150s than any other Ford dealership in greater Kansas City. That's two years running. And last year, they were the number one F-150 sales leader in the entire state of Kansas. So, no hassle. $50 over invoice pricing, unparalleled customer satisfaction, and a huge selection. That's a perfect recipe for selling trucks. So, check out all their inventory and prices online at lewisburgford.com. Or give them a call at 816-444-2300. 
Looking for Casey's best and coolest apartment experience? We have it, and it's called the Flats Casey. The Flats Casey is committed to providing an exemplary living experience by offering the best in-class residential communities in the most sought-after neighborhoods in Kansas City. With a focus on meticulous restoration and renovations of vintage properties, we aim to take the beauty of vintage and seamlessly unite it with modern touches. If you love urban living and are in the market for a freshly renovated apartment, The Flats Kansas City has options to fit every price range. Check us out at theflatskc.com or give us a call today at 816-454-3118. Welcome back, Golf Underground ESPN Radio. You know, Wardo, um, knowing that we had Tom Coyne on today, who wrote a book about Ireland, Scotland, America, he's buddies with Gary Sinise, I think he had an opportunity to customize the bumper music. Maybe a little a little Irish, the young Dubliners, or maybe a little maybe a little <laughs> Scottish tunes, right? Don't you think, Tom, that would have showed a little more preparation? No, you know what? That I just got fired up listening to that. that was cool. <laughs> so, so did George. He was dancing in his George chair. Yeah. George is all fired well, up. I thought you that did. was Rocky. What? I'm, from, I'm from Philly. So, so there you know. In all honesty, during one of my COVID projects, my, my lovely girlfriend and I were working on the soundboard here because we were extremely <laughs> bored and we're running out of memory. So that's actually, to be honest, that's my deal. Plus, Sully likes to save all these. You know, we had a... Uh, Fleener on our show, Aaron Fleener, who who's a caddy, and he he sang. Yeah, so we got all Roosh. these sound bites on here, and yeah. so yeah. I've had, I was actually meaning to get something <laughs> no, on there. No, I, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to judge you. You know how much pride I take in my soundboard. I'm the it's producer. True. It's true. Hey, Tom, who's your all-time favorite band? All-time favorite band. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a big U, uh, U, big U2 guy. Huh, man. Kid. How did I, I know that was enough. coming? Right, and, you know, I'm pretty I'm simple man. Should have oh, played that. Hey, huh? don't get into my rapid fire. The yet. unforgettable fire tour. Um, was that the best? There you go. That was ours. We're in the same year. I and, bet Jay and Joshua the Americans Tree. is knocking on the Joshua front door, Tree. though, wasn't it? Joshua Tree. Yeah, that's a good one. Jay and who? Jay and the Americans. Come a little bit closer. <laughs> Kevin Kevin plays it every day on the golf course. That's the anti-COVID on, tune. <laughs> on his wingman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, what, one final before you get into this. A quick story about these two guys. Um, so when, when uh, George won the... The, uh, the Mission Hills Club Championship, he had to play with Wardo. Wardo, I believe you were ranked number one, right? I was the, I was the two seed. He was the two seed. George, you were the what seed? Fifteen. Fifteen seed. So they show up um, for their, 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 their little match that day, and uh, George very uh, slyly says, hey, Wardo, let's jump in the cart with me. And that became total control. Mind total control. control. Uh, yeah. Smart move, right? When are you going to – he's like, what are you doing for dinner really tonight? Smart. What are you uh, – what are you doing? What's uh, what's your plans? And uh, hey, my plans tomorrow, since you're going to drill me, are I'm going to do the lawn and mow the grass and do the do the uh, hedges. And he proceeded to drill me. <laughs> Fifteen taking down the two seed. Wow! Oh, he, it happens. He, he, he it was a nice run. It happens. All right, hey, listen, we're with Tom Coin again. Check out TomCoin.com. Follow him on Instagram, Twitter. Really fun stuff. Um, I would say he was he's he's right there behind Club Pro guy. Um, another another great, <laughs> he, which by the way, that's a Kansas City fellow. He's one of our it's buddies. A, it's a Kansas City. You know, one yeah, of the great yeah. when I was doing the American book, one of the great thrills in my travels, and it was could have sort of a sad story. Right, you know, I was posting that I was in Kansas City, 
And the club pro guy reached out to me and said, come by the, the, the learning pro center studio. Yeah, the he lear- said, come by the learning center. <laughs> and I was already up the road. I was crushed. Oh, I when, you, when you come back in town, maybe we can get a little, have you by the learning center oh, and work yeah. on some of those things that you and Suddy have been working on for years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a lot. Absolutely. All right. All right. Awesome. All right. Tell us about this great new book. It's coming out in the um, spring of 2021. Is that the plan? A course right. called yeah. America. Yeah, the search for the great American golf course. It comes out uh, in May of 2021. It'll be just in time for Father's Day for everybody. So really excited about it. Um, we're book finished, which is a great relief. We're working on the edits. Uh, I guess one good thing about COVID is, uh, you know, I was on the road for eight months traveling America, and then I came home and for three months and couldn't leave the house. So uh, it gave me a lot of time to write. And so excited about the book. It's the biggest book um, probably I've ever written because it's, the biggest country I ever tried to take on for sure. Um, so I play golf. And, uh, last year I played golf in all 50 states, uh, played nearly 300 golf courses over the course of eight months, um, played every course to ever host the U S open, played a lot of public courses, a lot of munis, nine holers, um, backyard golf courses, everything from, you know, Shinnecock and Cypress point to, uh, a nine hole course in the Navajo nation made by hand. You know, I, I really ran the, the gamut of, of golf in America to try and figure out, you know, what is, you know, the question was, you know, what's the great American golf course. So that forced me to figure out a couple things, which is, you know, what makes a golf course great, right? What is a great golf course? And then what makes a golf course American, right? What gives it an American identity? And I think that, and that was like the big question, right? In, in 2019, 2020, trying to figure out what does America mean, you know, right now? Uh, and, and being in Philadelphia, watching the news or, or, or whatever, saying, well, I know what life is like in California or Kansas City or Denver or Hawaii or Alaska. I'm just guessing, right? I've never been to these places. I realize I know Scotland and Ireland and I know their sort of cultural identity probably better than I know my own country. So I said, you know, I got to fix that and I want to go out and I want to go experience America. So I'm going to play, I'm going to tee it up in every single state. Um, and thank God my wife gave me one more hall pass. And, uh, this is the longest one yet, eight months on the road. What was the hardest course to get on? Uh, there were some toughies, um, Cyprus, was, was a challenge. Um, the course, there's a certain like cal, like I guess caliber or, or strata of golf course where, you know, usually my, my being a golf writer or, and being able to feature a course in a book is the thing that gets me on the course. Right. Um, and then there are places where that's the thing that keeps you off the course oh, really? <laughs> where, <laughs> right. Where they're not interested in, they don't want publicity. They don't want you taking pictures. They don't necessarily maybe even want to care if they're in your book or not. So um, places that really covet their privacy um, to that extent uh, could were challenging. Um, so Cyprus wasn't crazy about uh, initially the, the members that had contacted me and said, hey, we'll have you out. Um, they got mixed reviews when they went and said they were bringing out a golf writer. But um, eventually it, it happened. And it, event, and it ended up being one of the most welcoming once I got there, I mean, it couldn't have been a more welcoming place and was, and just a, such a fun, fun day. Um, but that took, you know, it, it, putting this itinerary together, I had to, every contact, it's a book I couldn't have done 15 years ago because 
I had to sort of build up the friends and contacts in golf to, to arrange the tee times. Um, and you know, it went and fine. And Cypress was one being in Philadelphia. Like, of course, okay. I do know people at Pine Valley cause it's a half an hour away and you just know people who belong there, but I didn't know anybody at, at Cypress. And that was, that was certainly a challenge for sure. I'm sure a lot of people at Pine Valley knew people at uh, Cypress though. They do. They, yeah. they tend to run in those. And it's funny, like, so, you know, like every golf scene, like has a person, right? Like a guy who knows somebody at all the courses. Like, so at Chicago, you know, there's, I think like eight U S open venues there, um, including Chicago golf, which I thought was going to be my toughest yet. Cause they only have like a hundred members. Um, so let alone you, the chances of one willing to bring you out, the chances of you knowing one is, is a crapshoot, right? So, but you just meet like the one, one dude who knows a guy everywhere in Philadelphia or knows a guy everywhere on Long Island or knows a member everywhere in Chicago. Um, and I eventually tapped into or met some of those guys who, who were able to, to open up, like get all of Chicago done for me or, or Minnesota or Texas or Los Angeles, um, you know, and get on those, get on those courses. Like Los Angeles country club was kind of a tough get. And I wanted to play there cause they're, hosting an open uh coming up um but that's a pretty uh that's of course if you take your phone out there or your camera out there um You're you know people start they start be having heart attacks you know so um <laughs> which is kind of weird because there's going to be about 400 cameras there in in a couple of years right. but anyway what whatever <laughs> what um, was the what was the know. hardest track you played here in the states Ooh. i know mine uh, but i haven't played them yeah more. i mean it's Oakmont. Yes. Um, it is. It's just, uh, but also like, but not hard. I, I mean, I'd say there's like harder courses in terms of like that I haven't enjoyed, like in Florida and they're hard just because there's so much water and they're designed poorly. Oakmont's hard in like you, but you enjoy it. You enjoy the, right the, yeah, it's right in front of you. The, you know, it, there's no real tricks to it. Um, you've got to take your medicine a lot, but there isn't a hole where you step up and you think like, man, this is unfair. Um, and, and sometimes there, there were courses where I, I did feel that, but Oakmont was the hardest and most enjoyable probably that I, that I played the whole time. I was so into it. Like every shot was like, it was so focused. It was such an examination. Like it was, it was just, it was a blast to be like that invested because you knew if you, if you weren't focused, um, you know, you had trouble coming. You can make double pretty quick out there. Place Real is tough. Place yeah. is tough. Yeah. So, so Tom, I'd mentioned that uh, this morning I was watching this video, which is your primer for um, the, the book, uh, a course called America. And one thing that stood out in this video was there were a lot of random people who you met, who you included in on this video, right? Everything from the, you know, yeah. the little kid eating his ice cream sandwich to just, you know, a bunch of knuckleheads slamming you because they beat you on the golf course. And so it's had, right. been, it's been, had been an absolute blast just meeting these randoms because I think we'll all agree in these tournaments, whether it's a member guest, you know, you get paired up with the guys you're playing nine hole matches against and they usually end up being really good guys who you end up becoming friends with. To your point, right, the network that, that is created beyond that, you know, goes yeah. goes a lot of places. Um, g- give us one story of one of those randoms who you met throughout this course called America, 
that uh, was really funny. It's like, you know, I, this was the guy who represented something that is America. I mean, there were so many, and that was the great, I knew from doing Ireland and Scotland, like these stories are about people, right? They're not just about golf courses or golf shots. I mean, that becomes boring pretty quickly that, you know, that I have to have interesting people come join me. And what was cool about this trip is I put out on Instagram or Twitter, right? Okay. I'm in Connecticut. I'm in Maine. I'm in Texas, you know, come, I have three spots. Come join me. Right. And then 15 guys would show up and I'd have to talk to the pro because you know, I'm like, Oh my God, what do I do now? Um, or, 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 you know, I'd be in Montana in Anaconda, Montana. And, and three guys would show up with me. And that, that, those were, yeah, those guys, that, that was a great, I didn't expect anyone to be able to find me or meet me there. Right. Um, and I show up and there's this young, very nice, um, clean cut young man who's there to meet me. He's like, you know, I'm on my way from my, uh, where I was stationed for my training. And now I'm going, moving off of this new air force base. And, you know, like, well, that's cool. And, you know, get to, meet this interesting guy. What do you do in the air force? Like, yeah, I'm a missile I'm, I'm a nuclear launch officer. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> you, uh, you, you turn the key. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and it was funny, like then when I was in, in Utah, I played with guys, uh, who were responsible for the system that shoots the missiles down. So it was like, I, I gotta get these guys together. Cause, uh, if my missile friend makes a mistake, he's going to have to call his, his buddy in Utah. But, um, <laughs> But then, you know, in, in Montana, then I'm met by uh, this this great uh, Randy uh, who played golf without shoes and uh, and his friend who, on their own quest, had played every golf course in Montana. And, you know, and they played, like, these backwoods courses where you had to, like, go whitewater rafting to find, like, these oh. nine holes off in the woods and stuff and, like, um, cool. it's just, you know, who had gone to the end of the earth playing, playing Montana golf. And, and here I am, you know, a kid from Philadelphia in Anaconda, Montana, playing with just who, the course golf and America and whatever the powers that be kept putting these great people in my path everywhere that I went. And as this trip got longer, the groups even got bigger and bigger. You know, to where by, in, in Los Angeles, we had, you know, 30 people come out to play with me at a nine-hole municipal golf course. And and so it became this real community that grew up around the trip. And that's the thing that I enjoyed the most. It gave me a ton of material as a writer. And, uh, and man, and I keep in touch with so many of those people. Um, they're just, that was a great, great gift. Yeah, the one thing about golf is I played golf in uh, Australia. My son was living over there. I went to visit. And we went and played uh, Royal Melbourne, and we played with a guy named Ian Scholes. And Ian was a big financial guy over there. And uh, couldn't have been nicer. Met him on the first tee right before we teed off. And, and uh, then we went in and had some beers. And then he wanted to have some wine and some coffee. And I said, I'll just keep drinking the beers if you don't mind, Ian. Uh, <laughs> wine and coffee after a round of golf it doesn't really fit my stomach very well. And I ended up sending him a text on the way back. And I think this is what golf is all about. And the text went something like this. We were strangers at noon and friends for life at five. Yeah. That's that's awesome. And that's what golf's that's all it. about. Amen. Yeah. That's it. And it was so great to find that everywhere. 
right? Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a Yankee in the deep south, or I'm, I'm in, I've never been really spent any time in Texas before, or, you know, I'm in Alaska um, playing golf at, at midnight on the summer solstice um, with just five and five with five dudes who came up to Fairbanks to, to join me. And, and they're guys that, again, yeah, you still text with and email with and, and, and you're, and you want to, and in your head, you're like, I can't wait to go back to Fairbanks and play golf with them. What? <laughs> it's something I never thought I'd, I'd think before, but hey, it's uh, a lot of gifts. When are you going to climb Mount Everest? <laughs> well, yeah, with clubs off my, I got to hit a ball off the top of Mount Why not? I mean, that's it's probably the next book right there, right? You can only. Himalayan the golf. You only have to bring on the one list. club. If they had a golf course on top, he would be there. I bet he'd be there. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, Tom, it, it, this has been a real treat, honestly. it's um, it, it, We try to make this show like we're sitting around at a bar stool, and, and this certainly didn't disappoint you. Please, you've got to when you come out and visit us, and let's, let's play around and, and have a pint and do exactly what we did. My sense it would probably go longer than an hour. Or that's that's a that's happening, no doubt about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Thanks yeah. for the time, buddy. Yeah. Appreciate it. Tom, do us a favor. Come to Kansas City. I'm coming. Yeah. All right. Good. Hey, listen. We thank uh, you guys. Well, yeah, we've had a great time. T- Tom Coin. Check out TomCoin.com and please make sure you go out and purchase all of his books. Of course, from Ireland, Paper Tiger. They keep going. But George is getting all three of them. But remember, the most recent one all coming right. up May. Of course, called America. Hey, we'll see you next week on the Golf Underground, ESPN Radio.